Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, 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 everyone. Good to be back with you here on the First Gen Hunter podcast. Hopefully a few of you are tuning in from Spotify as that is our latest launching site that uh, we've moved the show on to, or I shouldn't say moved, but have started hosting it on. So uh, you can now officially find us on every major podcasting service, at least that I know of. I'm sure there's some other ones out there that I've probably never even heard of, but you can definitely now listen to us on Spotify, so I hope a few of you are already doing that. And if you've been just kind enough to go and use a secondary app, if you are a Spotify person, you were kind of annoyed, like, dude, get on to Spotify. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You can go and just follow me on Spotify now and listen there. But for the rest of you uh, faithful iTunesers or iHeart uh, radio fans or stitcher or uh podbean or google podcast wherever you're listening in from just so happy to have you thanks for being here for so many weeks really over a year now well over a year year and a half that you've been tuning in and man has it been fun in this episode we're going to a another episode of hunt therapy and uh unfortunately my brother jake could not join us for this episode but i got brandon i got alex and it is a fun conversation because we're talking about the part of hunting that really only makes up like i don't know five percent or less of the actual hunting experience and that is successfully pulling the trigger or releasing an arrow or uh, whatever it takes to fill a tag or a game bag and so that you will see reflected in the title of this episode filling tags and game bags here on hunt therapy and you're going to get to hear the story of alex's recent deer hunting ex expeditions and uh, brandon's deer hunting adventures and a lot of his uh uh, mentoring opportunities that he's uh, been able to be a part of this year which are just fantastic and what we're all about here at first gen hunter and then you'll get to hear the long-awaited story of my buck from this year my early muzzleloader season buck still got an archery actually got a couple archery buck tags in my pocket i got one for illinois yet i'm hoping to get over there and do some really late season bow hunting with uh, my uh, good buddy Luke Fritch. Uh, we'll see if that comes together or not. And I still have my Iowa archery tag as well. And I'm going to be doing uh, probably a little bit of late season hunting, but um, I don't I don't know how uh, many deer there'll be on the farm this year. There just seems like once you get to this time of year, uh, the deer here on the farm that I live on now just kind of I don't know they kind of they kind of give way to uh, uh, the pheasants. And it turns primarily into a pheasant farm, not that they're in competition for habitat or anything, but I think the deer go looking for some better uh, thermal cover. But I tried to entice them this year by getting the farmer, I asked the farmer, he was kind enough to, I shouldn't say I'm getting to, I asked the farmer if uh, he would leave up some outside rows of corn along the timber, and uh, he was willing to do that for me this year. So. Even if I can't quite compete with the thermal cover, I figure if I got that really ideal late season food source, something that stands up above the snow, maybe 
just maybe I'll be able to pull some bucks onto the farm. And uh, what I'm what I'm really hoping for, if I can't fill a uh, archery buck tag in the late season, I'm hoping I can pick up some sheds in that standing corn. And we are getting closer and closer to shed season. Are you starting to hear or see read about a few stories on social media of people finding some early sheds or shooting a buck and it sheds its antlers or I saw a headline in Go Wild for uh, a buck that the hunter, right before he shot it, watched the buck like shake his antlers off. <laughs> so uh, there's all there's all sorts of reason to get excited for the upcoming shed season. But I am I am uh, just uh, chomping at at the bit to get out there for uh, uh, that. So whatever your your cause is, we hope you find plenty of great content here on the first gen hunter podcast this is episode number 74 already 74 rolling at you and uh, we thank you again so much for tuning in we hope you enjoy the show and uh, please pass on the word about the great content that we have to offer here or leave us a review or do both that would be great but uh, most importantly keep getting out there and keep on hunting folks let's go ahead and roll it hunt therapy episode 74 of the first gen hunter podcast thank you for joining in this week Hey, 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 everybody. And when I say everybody, I'm not just talking to listeners. I'm not just talking to myself. I'm not just talking to good old faithful Brandon Martin out there from the East Coast. (laughs) I'm talking to my hunt therapy crew, which is without Jake tonight. We actually don't know where Jake is right now. We have no idea. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not tracking a deer. We wish he was doing that. Yes, that's right. You know, <laughs> I, I, just, I just got this like picture that just shot into my head when I said, we don't know where Jake is. And uh, uh, for those of you that maybe have been listening for a long time, you know this. In fact, I used to do this job with Jake. Jake is a black topper. He puts mm-hmm. down the old asphalt sealant. And so I just got a picture of his giant yellow asphalt tank on the back of his work truck and Jake's legs sticking out of the top of that asphalt tank, like kicking back and forth. Like somebody please help me. I've fallen and I can't get out, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. That stuff is nasty, but uh, no, we don't know where Jake is. So Jake, you know, when you end up listening to this, just know that we did care about you and uh, we hope that you're not swimming upside down in a tank of asphalt sealant. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, it, it, it would be a, a pretty uh, dire situation. And speaking of dire situations, as of late, the technical difficulties that this show has experienced have been immense. Currently, we've, we've had all kinds of uh, issues with this episode getting uh, everyone on the Skype call at the same time. You know, I was yeah. basically calling a, a payphone in the desert. And uh, just kept ringing and ringing. I was like, where are you guys? And uh, they were like, we're not getting a call, man. (laughs) And and then uh, I realized um, my laptop is here in Iowa and my laptop 
charging cord is in Illinois. And uh, it used to be that wasn't such a big deal, you know. That was like a 20-minute drive. Now it's about a two-hour and 20-minute drive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we got to get this thing done within the next 39% uh, battery power that I have left on my laptop. And um, we also have a baby coming in the morning. Not that that is a, a technical difficulty, but I got an early morning ahead, guys, with a whole lot of stress ahead of me. So yeah. uh, we got to make this one uh, get moving here pretty quick. But uh, yeah. Brandon, <laughs> you know, he's wanting to get to bed early. He's been working like 25-hour days lately. <laughs> Alex, it feels is, like, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alex, I think, has to be in like a perpetual state of zombiehood with as much uh, hunting and traveling as he's been doing on top of his regular their work schedule mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's he, great i'll take that all day <laughs> yeah right Seriously. that's a good reason to be tired that's true yeah. that's true <laughs> but uh yeah you gotta be you gotta be uh needing a good night's sleep here so we're gonna we're gonna keep this one pretty uh pretty quick probably around that uh, hour mark but uh you know we had so much news to share that's one of the things when uh you know life is crazy like it's been for all of us uh, we get these bigger gaps in between. There's just so much stuff to get caught up on. And uh, with the last episode, I started spilling the beans a little bit on, uh, you know, some of my hunting success that I've enjoyed this season. Of course, you've heard the story, the epic story of Alex's uh, once-in-a-lifetime Arizona bowl. And, uh, you know, Brandon's filled a tag. Uh, Brandon did a, had a successful squirrel hunt. Looks like they shot something else too. That was about the size of his, uh, son who was holding it up in the picture. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, we've had some, some other success there. Alex just had another successful weekend of hunting. So I thought, you know what, let's title this hunt therapy episode, filling tags and game bags. Cause that's, what's been going Love on it. here for the, the first gen mm-hmm. hunter crew so good and uh yeah it it just feels like it feels really good to to see the success that that uh we've been having here as a as a crew and uh you know poor jake he uh has hardly gotten to hunt this year i i was telling these guys i think he's hunted maybe four days this uh entire hunting season so far he's just been really swamped actually you know what five days because he did go he told us about his uh his uh day when he uh became mosquito bait back in uh early october and Mm. uh tried hunting that island and uh yeah (laughs) but really Mm -hmm. has hardly been able to hunt and so uh, i'm hoping he can get out here in the late season i think he's planning to get a late muzzy tag I really hope he ends up getting out and uh, maybe getting to fill that at least. So, yeah. But man, there's a lot to talk about. But before we get there, coming up this weekend, and if you follow First Gen Hunter on Facebook, you'll notice I shared an article last night. One of uh, one of my favorite articles that I've written. I gotta say, it was an idea that had been in my head for quite some time. And uh, if you're, if an author's allowed to have a favorite piece of work, which I think that's fair, you know, I bet if you went to yeah. an, ar- an artist and said, Hey, what's your favorite sculpture? What's your favorite painting? They probably have a list, mm-hmm. but this one was on there and it's titled the subtleties of blaze orange. And, mm. uh, it's all about how to, you know, be a, uh, you know, still a, a, maybe a good term for it would be a good predator when you're mm-hmm. uh, in gun season and you got to wear this glaring 
uniform as you enter the woods, right? The orange army we call call ourselves. Yeah. And uh, um, I think there's some ways that you can hunt in blaze orange and still, uh, you know, successfully blend in around you. So I wrote that article, but, uh, there's a couple parts in there that I got to admit, I made myself laugh. I think my wife was ready to punch me, uh, but I was like sitting <laughs> on the couch last night and like giggling over some of the stuff I put in that article. So you'll have to go and read it. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, maybe you won't think I'm as funny as I do, but, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a bad, which is kind of a bad trait to have, you know, there's a uh, guy that, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Mr. John Hines, a fellow first gen hunter who just went out and hunted with, uh, uh, Jesse Jeffley, a guest on this mm -hmm. show, uh, yep. gave us some expert, uh, uh, conversation on, uh, hunting with traditional arth archery equipment and also hunting turkeys. But, um, he went out hunting with Jesse and uh, uh, took a muzzleloader out and did a little muzzleloader hunting. And he's planning to do some more, I think, this coming weekend. But um, nice. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, uh, this this friend of mine, John Hines, which I think Brandon actually knows too. We all went to college yep. together. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's this guy that we used to laugh at. I won't say any names, but the guy would, uh, whenever he'd like tell a joke, you know, make a funny or something he would like laugh his head off. Like he thought, <laughs> he thought it was the funniest joke he had ever, he had ever heard. So I try not to do that, but I think I do that a little bit. So my apologies. I shouldn't laugh at yeah, myself it's, as much. It's, it's a, it's a partly a dad thing too, I think. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is so true. We try to pretend Ooh. we don't have these dad tendencies, but we definitely, Oh yeah. yeah. It's mm -hmm, universal. Yeah. It's universal, but no. So anyways, I bring all this up, man, what a rabbit trail. I bring all this up <laughs> because this weekend oh, is, awesome. is the general gun season opener here in Iowa. Now I don't have a tag because I used my my gun my gun buck tag during the early muzzleloader season, and uh, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about that tonight. But also yes. when you hunt that early muzzleloader season, because the idea is, hey, you got first crack, man, with a firearm, so you know what? You don't get to be a part of the regular gun season. You can't even get an antlerless tag for the regular gun season if you hunt the early mm. muzzleloader. So there's two general gun seasons in Iowa. I cannot, I am not able to hunt either of them because of my early muzzleloader tag, which is fine. That's that's totally yes. fine. But for, for those folks hitting the woods, and I know it's not just an Iowa thing. It's a Wisconsin thing. It's a Illinois thing. It's a, uh, I'm sure a Missouri and an Indiana thing, but it's definitely a Midwestern thing. It's probably, I, and I believe it's a thing in Michigan too. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. And maybe even Delaware. I don't know. But deer drives, right? Pushing, mm -hmm. the, pushing the timber and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, blitzkrieg on the woods, right? Trying to, trying to get, basically you're hunting deer like pheasants, right? You're trying to, you're trying to, get deer that are holding tight to, to heavy cover, trying to get them up moving so that somebody can get a shot. And it's, man, if you got a, if you got the right number of people, I don't know if there is a more, would, would, would the right term here be efficient way of harvesting deer? Do you think that's, do you think that's the right term? I suppose maybe like if somebody had an automated feeder or something that they could, they could uh, shoot, deer over bait or something like that. Maybe that would, mm -hmm. maybe that would be more efficient. Uh, 
but man, a lot of deer get tagged in deer mm-hmm. drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, that's interesting. They that mentioned that because I remember when I moved out to Wisconsin for college, you know, that was, we did deer drives growing up, you know, but it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of like a, it's a rite of passage slash kind of a way of life in a lot of Midwestern um, communities because, you know, in, out in the, on the East coast, you've got, you know, you've got fields, but you've got a lot of woodlots, you know, mm. and so you don't have the expansive fields with the small, you know, you know, areas of woods where, you know, it's kind of a perfect type of drive situation. And sure. in the Midwest, at least in certain parts, it, that's like all you have. I mean, you've right. got expansive fields, woodlots, expansive point. fields, woodlots. So, I mean, it was like, it was just so weird to, you know, hear uh, like, um, Oh man, I can't even remember the Dean's name now of our college at the time, but I remember specifically he was, he shot like a beautiful 160 or 170 class buck. And he was telling me like, yeah, this is on a deer drive. I was, you know, I was stationed and I'm like, man, it's like, it's really a thing out here. Like it's what people do out here. So it's kind of interesting how you learn the different tactics, you know, based on where you're at in the country and the different terrain and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I imagine a state like, uh, well, I think, I think I heard you say Pennsylvania in there somewhere, which is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you, bo- do you border Pennsylvania in Delaware? Or yes. Just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. On our North. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Pennsylvania would probably actually be fairly similar to, uh, a state like Alex's Michigan where you can, I was ha- about to say, yep. where you can have areas that are very vast forested, you yep. know, Areas like you were talking where, yeah, you could try deer driving, buddy, but deer have 8 billion different directions they could run, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yes. uh, but uh in the southern part of Michigan, I imagine deer drives are, are still, well, and probably even all the way up to the middle part of Michigan. Does that sound about accurate, Alex, for uh, where deer drives are still used? I would say, well, I, I just did a deer drive this, this last weekend, so it was... Oh, okay. Um, and, and I would say to your word efficient, I would say effective. That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I I would say all of the Southern portion of Michigan. And then if you were to go into kind of that, the hand part of Michigan, as you kind of get kind of towards the middle, the Eastern half of the state is more, more crops and farms still. So you Mm -hmm. can, you, you can still do a lot of deer driving. You don't see it a lot in the upper peninsula and you don't see it a lot on the West side of the state. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that makes sense for sure. But yeah, just a, just kind of a a cultural thing, you know? And, and, um, when I was first learning about deer hunting, you know, I, I don't know what I really had in my, in my head as to what it was like, you know, when I was a kid or even in high school, cause I never had done it, but I was, you know, I had friends that hunted and stuff and I knew about tree stands, but Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, hunting to me seemed to be something like a deer drive. And when you start doing some studying on, you know, some of our earliest ancestors, you know, <laughs> they did their own deer drives. I think they just called them mammoth drives though. Maybe, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> they would, they would, uh, have, you know, uh, uh, these jump sites where they would basically kind of, you know, get, get the animals kind of into a panic a little bit running in a, common direction and they would mm-hmm. choose a topographical advantage for themselves that could funnel these animals into a spot where you know they were they were uh, 
it was more effective to kill them, more efficient to kill them. Or they'd even have, you know, out west, they got buffalo jump sites where they would, you know, lead animals off cliffs and things like that. So, you know, this this idea of of using that technique to hunt is one as old as time, as old as hunting. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's pretty fascinating to think about. But it also makes me think, if I was a deer and somebody was going to be walking through my living room trying to get me up and running so that they could uh they could uh pepper me with uh you know some 12 gauge slugs or something uh what would i do to avoid that and uh live to fight another year as a mature old buck and so that will be kind of our uh you know our first bit of conversation tonight what would you do if you were a deer and you had to avoid a deer drive. What would be what would be your strategy? And uh, uh, since I'm kind of you know, it's kind of a strange question here. Probably takes some <laughs> some time to uh, kind of plot this out. And uh, I've had the advantage of time. I'll go first, and then I'll let uh, whoever th- feels they got a good idea just chime mm-hmm. in after me next. <laughs> but um, you know, I think of uh, the guy that. Uh, is is just an incredible deer hunter. Friend of mine, mm-hmm. Mr. Chris Dyer, go back. I've mentioned him so many times. Uh, go back to episode eight. You can hear all about how you can hear this exact story, actually. But in that in that episode, Chris talks about how uh, he um, gets ready to hunt the general gun season in Iowa and uh, gets out of his truck and he's uh, still getting his gear together. And he, as soon as he gets out of his truck, though, he's he looks over in the field that he's about ready to head into, and he's like, oh, there's a nice eight-point buck right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he's like, all right, game on. So he, like, turns around, gets the last bit of his stuff or loads his muzzleloader or whatever he does, and he turns around to go walk, you know, that direction. He's like, where on earth did that thing go? It's, like, totally gone. And he was, and he said, there's just no way that that deer cleared out of here that fast he's got to be mm-hmm. here somewhere and uh so he started uh he started using his uh binos start glassing the 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 valley there that that he was getting ready to go hunt and uh he said he saw that buck laying underneath of a cedar tree and uh he had its head down in between its front legs, like a dog laying on the floor, you know, wow. in, your, in your living room, just like, uh, he's like, I've never seen a deer ever lay like that before, but mm. he, he's like, I think it, I think it goes back to the instinct of, of that deer doing that when it was a fawn, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just trying to stay invisible while, while, uh, mom's off doing her thing during, during, uh, the day or whatever. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he's, he said, basically it you know it took him really using everything he knows to outsmart that thing and yeah uh, he got a shot and he said he missed but oh, the buck is still on his wall so uh he's <laughs> he, which is a testament to how good of a hunter chris is because he's like yeah i'm coming back tomorrow and i'm gonna get you and he did so nice. so uh <laughs> i think that'd be my method though i'd be i would just be like you know what as bad as it gets as much pressure as it gets here i'm laying low i'm not holding mm-hmm. or i'm not letting go so yeah who uh who's got who's got their method here well, I, I just uh, did the deer drive this weekend, and 
it was kind of funny. So, so kind of to give you context to it, think of a rectangular piece of wooded lot in between two, you know, tillable crop fields. Okay. We got three guys going through west to east. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have four people on the north side, and we got three people on the south side. Okay. The wood lot is, it's, you know, it's pretty large, so you're not going to be, like, shooting through to the other side. Sure. But we had these big fields, and we were basically saying you can't shoot into the woods. You have to shoot into the field wherever Mm. the deer go. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, all right, I could see this happening. The three guys are going to go in. They're going to push a bunch of deer and the smart deer are going to circle back yeah. after running yeah. with the group. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. So as they start going in there, I hear, you know, boom, 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 boom. You know, like 10 <laughs> shots. I'm thinking it seriously sounds like. You know, if you watch Jurassic Park, you got a bunch of guys going in the woods with you know dinosaurs and just just random shooting. <laughs> yeah, That's what it right. sounded like, and I was like, "Sounds like a T Rex is running through there." You know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so they 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 get through on our end, and uh, they're they're going, you know, deer coming, deer coming. So we had we had a fawn and a doe come flying out on our side on the east side, and my buddy my buddy shot one of them. And then one of the guys that was pushing through, he comes in and he goes, oh, man, you know, we had probably 15 deer, you know, that we were pushing. They were running east. And then two of them turned around and came running towards us, you know, (laughs) and ran right in between us. And, of course, we couldn't shoot them because if we were shooting, we were shooting at each other. so, So we just had to let them go. So yeah. that would be my strategy. <laughs> I would be going in between the guys, knowing that they can't shoot me at that point because they're going to be shooting themselves. <laughs> shoot me now, fellas. <laughs> oh, I love oh, it. That, that is a really good, funny. Get, that get is play, good. That playing is a little good. offense with his defense. I like it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, can't sit back. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's, right. The closest, that's right. That's the closest you'll get to a deer hunting a person, I guess. That's, uh, that's, yeah, uh, right. that's pretty smart. I like that. All right, Brandon, what are you doing, man? You got to survive this uh, deer drive. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I'll say both sides. So what I would do if I was a deer and then what I would do if I was a hunter and and kind of springboarding off of what, what Alex had said. Um, and, and, you know, and very, what Alex just described was, was very similar to the setup of property that I, that we actually hunted growing up. We had, um, the first, the first, like, I, I'm going to say good lease that my, that my dad was able to get when I was growing up, mm-hmm. um, was a really cool PC that was expansive. It, it was, it was only probably, uh, maybe a hundred acres of woods, but it w- it stretched a long ways. So it was kind of a thin patch of woods bordering, uh, a swamp and it stretched about a mile. And, and then in the middle of that, there was, you know, we, we actually called it the middle strip, you know, that it was a middle strip with fields on both sides. It was a block of property, but then thinking about, you know, what I hunt now and it, how exactly what Alex mentioned is so, it's so interesting how, whether you shoot a deer and man, you think it ran that way, but then you end up finding it, it, it looped back almost mm-hmm. where it came from. 
same thing when you're driving deer like that. So if I was a deer, what I would do, and, and here in Delaware, once again, we've got a lot of wood lots that, that, you know, run up to, you know, back road fronts and things like that. If I was a deer, I would, I would be betting very close to a thick edge next to the road. Mm. And so if, if some, if, if, if hunters came in from the roadside, you've got a great opportunity to bounce out of there quickly or loop back and cross the road and, you know, into safety. So that's what I would do. If I was a hunter, I I would do, what I would actually do is I would say, and I'm actually literally thinking of one of the pieces of property that we had to hunt, which would be perfect for this. I, I should try it sometime. Um, you know, I would, I would actually post some hunters across the road from where you're driving, mm. post them across the road and then start pushing, literally start pushing in from right there with the expectation that some of those deer are going to loop back through and cross the road in an effort to get away. And, you know, it's kind of a different approach, but I think it would be pretty interesting to give yeah. it a try. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, I think that's a really smart idea. Kind of almost uh, use the uh, cleverness of the deer you know, make them outsmart That's themselves. Right. That's and, right. Exactly. You know, there, there <laughs> is a guy, and we, I think we've mentioned him a few times on here before, but, but, um, you know, probably one of the, maybe the right word here is innovative. Uh, one of the most innovative mm-hmm. deer hunters, of the modern area, the modern area, modern era is, um, Mr. Andre DeQuisto, uh, of, uh, lone wolf tree stands. And uh, I, yeah. think, mm-hmm. I think they just go by, mm-hmm. don't they just go by Lone Wolf Custom Gear or something like that? Yeah. But um, he, you know, coined the old bump and dump strategy. And that's essentially what it what it is, right? He goes in there and, and uh, you know, basically doing a scouting mission with the intention of, I'm going to walk right into this buck's bedroom, get him to hop up so I can get eyes on him and see that, yep, there's a mature buck hanging out in here. And now I know where he hangs out and, uh, he's going to get away from me and run off. And, uh, once I leave the area, he's going to circle back in and it, it's just confirmation to him that, yep, this is a good place to live because look, I got away again, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the cover served me well. I was able to avoid the threat and here I am back safe and sound. And, yeah. uh, you know, there there's places that that would not work. I don't think, you know, just because the hunting pressure is so great and the amount of good habitat, uh, that's available, you know, Mm -hmm. cover wise is just, you know, a place like Northern Michigan where everything's just so uniform, you know, a buck can just run over to another area and have a place very similar to where he just was. So, but here in the, in, in farm country, you know, where it's like what Brandon was talking about, where you have these, uh, you know, these just small patches of timber surrounded by vast, uh, you know, ag fields, the choices are limited. And so, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, essentially, what what you're kind of describing there where you're taking advantage of what that animal uh does to to you know outsmart us leverage mm-hmm. it against them so i like it it's good so here you go some great tips going into uh <laughs> the rest of the the gun season here if uh if you're a, a deer driving sort of fellow and if you're not and uh you like uh, hunting stands kind of like i like doing 
mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you still got to wear that blaze orange. So make sure you head over to uh, the Facebook page or the website, firstgenhunter.com, and check out that article that I wrote there on how to uh, make yourself blend in a little bit better and still have hopes that getting an ambush kind of kill. So, man... That was fun. Uh, yeah, well, that was actually, good. I may have to edit it out of here, folks, um, because it might like burst your eardrums when you go to listen to it. But Alex made me laugh so hard at the uh, <laughs> at the Jurassic Park comment. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that was, that was... and so and so <laughs> my remnants of bronchitis. <laughs> <laughs> just like sent me a coughing fit and so uh, that just caught me off guard man i could just i could just picture you can that. picture it right <laughs> yes so so Dude, it sounded just like it and every jurassic park movie it sounded just like it i swear these guys these guys were rolling around with with 450 Bushmaster ARs, oh, and and it's just it's it was a full on deer assault, man. Yeah. <laughs> did they do? Did they end up taking a few down? Did they get a few? Oh yeah, we took four down inside, and then we took two uh, outside in the fall. Oh, nice. uh, so I mean, so man. out of like, I think there were 22 deer in hole. We took six out of there. That was pretty nice. good. Nice. Wow. That's great, man. Man, yeah, that's that, cool. is, that is that is awesome. But <laughs> that was like yeah, ten minutes of, of of goose hunting. You know, yeah, you, right, you just got yeah, action right. everywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if you hear silence on my end when Alex is telling a story, please know that it's the opposite <laughs> of me not laughing. I'm laughing so hard that I, you know, like the remnants of COVID and bronchitis and every other sickness I've had this year just came like attacking my lungs with uh, that. Uh, how hard he made me laugh there. So that was That's a awesome. good story. Well, speaking of Alex, before we get on to uh, telling the tale of uh, um, our success here, uh, just a real quick update. There's something kind of interesting that I thought listeners might uh, want to take a look at. I keep getting emails ever since I uh, started uh, buying points in Wyoming for my uh, dream antelope hunt that I'm hoping uh, mm-hmm. Alex will uh, join me on here in a few years. And of course, Brandon, <laughs> you're always welcome as well, but dude, yes. you got to start getting points here soon, man. Cause if I, I get, know. if I got points for a killer unit, ain't no way I'm holding out, man. If I got the time, right. But, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'd love to bring, love to bring you along. But, um, I keep getting emails about this Wyoming super tag. And then I got real interested when all of a sudden I get this email, I think it was yesterday. I said, Hey, the deadline for applying for the Wyoming super tag has been, has been postponed until, or, you know, like it's been the, the deadline's been increased until, uh, the 31st of January, I think it was. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, what, what's the deal here? What, what's going on with this Wyoming super tag? What is it? Why are they postponing it? And so, uh, no better person to talk about it than good old Alex. So Alex, you want to give us like a quick down and dirty so we can get on to the, the filling tags and game bags conversation here. You got it. So yeah, super tags is essentially just a raffle. So you're basically buying raffle tickets and then you have what they call super tag and you have super tag trifecta. So yeah, I know. Cool and fancy. (laughs) Basically if you want, you can buy unlimited amount of tickets and essentially you, you buy, you know, one raffle tickets, 10 bucks for the super tag. You basically get one tag Mm. out of, 
the uh, the species that they have, you know, the tags for essentially. So there's uh, 10 species under the super tag. And if you draw, if you're one of the drawn names, then you get to pick which one of those 10 Ooh. species you would like a tag for. And under the super tag trifecta, those are $30 raffle tickets. And then if you do get drawn, then you get to pick three of those 10 species Whoa. to get tags for. And then the the cool, the real cool thing that I think of this is if you get one of these, you don't use any of your preference points. Mm. So if, if, you know, you got 20 years in, you still have 20 points, so you could get two crazy tags, you know, wow. back-to-back years. And then there's no waiting periods for anybody to apply. Uh, for example, like there's a five-year waiting period for somebody that's had a moose or a bighorn sheep tag. If you get the tag through the super tag, you are not held to any of those contingencies either. Oh, wow. So, so, so pretty could, cool deal, but essentially you're just buying raffle tickets. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's a very reasonable price there too. I mean, yeah. 10 bucks, 30 bucks. And, and, you know, sometimes with raffles and stuff, you're like, all right, what's the, what's the money going towards? But, but, uh, this, you know, is a good thing. It's going to, at least I assume it's going to, uh, what every other tag fund goes to which is wildlife conservation so um mm-hmm. yep, mean, it's, 100% it's, of it it's uh it's it's definitely uh money well spent there so even if you don't grab it now if you win do you have to go that following hunting season i assume yes okay so that's good to know there is a there is a uh you know window that you got to have the vacation time or whatever set aside for to to make that happen so Man, that's cool. I'm glad I asked about that. I definitely uh, want to look into that more in the future because, uh, man, it just seems like a great opportunity for a really low cost. I mean, that's even cheaper than my one antelope point that I buy every year. You know, ten oh, yeah. bucks. That's that's a, that's a really good deal. So, yeah, make sure you're uh, taking a, a closer look at that. The Wyoming Super Tag and. The super tag trifecta. That might be for some of you retired folks who got, you know, just <laughs> time that you don't know what to do with it. Go out there and hunt three incredible uh big game species that Wyoming has to offer. Maybe even get one yeah. of those coveted uh Shira's is it Shiras or Shiras? Yep. Shiras Moose. Moose tags. Those are those things I hear are like, you know. That's like, Those are like that's gold. Like a, that's like a four-leaf clover, man. They they're hard to they're hard to come by. But maybe through the super tag, is that is that one of the options on the super tag, or do they take that off? No, no moose is in there. Wow. Man, yep. so you can even get one of those tags. So you 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 might actually have better odds of drawing a moose tag through the super tag than you do for actually on the draw because that's how bad the odds are. <laughs> oh, man. Now, oh, here's a good one. What about, what about Teton's uh, bison? Would those, would those fall under the, any of the super tag things? Yep. Wow. So, and that's like normally a $2,000 tag, right? Something crazy like that. So, so here's, yeah, it's a very, it's a very expensive tag for sure. Uh, but so you get elk, bighorn sheep, mountain goat, deer, black bear, mountain lion, antelope, gray wolf, bison, and moose. Wow, that's that that's is pretty an neat. incredible opportunity. I mean, those are some like once in ten lifetime type 
hunts that you could, uh, you know, find yourself, find yourself walking away with a tag for 10 bucks. Pretty, uh, pretty stinking cool, man. I'm definitely going to be <laughs> putting in for some of those in the future. So yeah, that deadline, I believe it was extended to the 31st. So you're listening to this. You got some uh, vacation time to burn. Uh, man, take a good hard look at that for just a few, a uh, few extra bucks. You could be, uh, on a hunt of a lifetime. So yeah, very cool. Well, hey guys, let's go ahead and let's, uh, you know, we got through all the undercard fights here. We're <laughs> on to, uh, we're on to the title fight. We're on to the main event. The, uh, the, the main topic tonight, which is the success that we have all enjoyed. And, um, mm. you know, we've talked about Alex's bull elk story. We, we, that is just, such a cool a, a hunt that was eight years in the making and um mm. uh, just kind of the drama that went into that mm. story you know it wasn't just a uh you know boots on the ground from you know getting bust over from the airport to the place where he's gonna be hunting and <laughs> and uh you know mm-hmm. pulls his bow back and He's on his way to the tax terms. No, there's yeah. there's a lot that went into that. So if you haven't heard that whole story, make sure you go back. I want to say that was episode seventy, maybe or uh, sixty nine, maybe sixty nine or seventy. Um, but man, what a what a cool story there. We know about that. It was really kind of how Alex got things kicked off uh, for our crew here this year. And then I want to say probably right around that same time, maybe a cup, maybe a couple weeks later, Brandon. You filled a tag. Yep. Tell us how it went down, man. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's been a it's been a cool season on our side of things in the sense that you know been able to put a lot of time into uh, mentoring and you know getting other guys out there, and that's that's kind of been a, a big part of uh, my season over the last two seasons, uh, which has been really rewarding and enjoyable. And, uh, so I was able to, you know, it was it, the, the, I was able to shoot a, a real big doe earlier in the season and it, you know, actually happened. And this happens sometimes when, you know, it happens when you least expect it, you know, you're kind of, I positioned myself in a spot that was best for the win, but I, you know, I was like, that's, eh, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those, you know, one of those scouting type of trips. I'm, I'm overlooking a, a great field. I think there's going to be more action on the other side, but the wind was right for the opposite side. wasn't expecting a lot of action. There was watching a buck and a doe out, you know, it, you know, with my binos across the field and just get, honestly, I was honestly one of those times too, where you're, like, you're kind of cruising Facebook. You're just like, I'm just chilling out, ah, watching that buck and a doe, having a good time. And all of a sudden you just hear something and you're like, Oh yeah, there's a deer like five, <laughs> five feet from me right now. And you're like, Oh crap. So there was a deer, I mean, right under me, uh, two does, the, the one doe stepped out a little bit further down and was able to, fortunately actually walked straight away from me for a moment, which okay. was great because I was able to, to position my weapon and then get mm-hmm. a shot. And so that, that worked out great. Um, and then, you know, going into the, the gun season on our side of things, you know, I really had, you know, every year our group, you know, we've kind of, we've, we've killed We've killed two, uh, two mountable bucks every year since we, since we basically started the club about wow. five years ago. And so that's a good average. Um, yeah, two, two a year, three, some years. So two to three. And our goal is always to at least get two every season. And so, um, we were able to, the, the opening Saturday, we were able one of our guys was able to, uh, shoot a real nice buck 
And uh, in the process of that, I was hunting over with uh, with another with a friend, uh, a guy who I'm mentoring this year and, you know, really just so wanted to see him get his first year. And uh, so I had him up there. I had him with an open sight 12 gauge. He doesn't have his own gun yet. So I had him with an open sight 12 gauge and I had uh, my Bushmaster with me. And uh, so we heard the shot ring out and uh, it was a few, a few, a couple hundred yards away. And uh, I said, Hey, Joel, get, get ready, man. This is, you know, could be, you know, something else could be headed our way. And uh, sure enough, what ended up happening was the doe that this buck had been chasing. So our other buddy dropped the buck, you know, a few hundred yards away, the doe kept coming. We were kind of bordering a good little bedding area, not too far off of a field edge, kind of a unique area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the doe came in kind of working the thick edge. And I mean, the whole thing from start to finish and as, you know, as hunters, we know like, like, you know, a lot of times things can just happen so quickly by the oh, time, yeah. from the time you see a deer until, you know, the, the whole thing is over is sometimes 20 seconds, you know, it just goes so, so fast. And then the other times, you know, it's like it lasts, you know, for five minutes and you, you get in buck fever and everything else. Sometimes it's almost better <laughs> yep. when it happens quick. You don't even have time right, to think about yeah. it. Right. And, uh, and so it, what actually happened was this all, this transpired very quickly. 10 seconds in, you know, it's, it's right behind a thick edge moving away from us. And I I'm realizing there is no way he's going to get a shot, um, with an open sight 12 gauge. So I'm right next to him in a, in a portable, we very quickly swapped weapons. It right when this thing is behind, you know, just a, just a thick edge, a few holly trees comes out and I, and, and I said, look, I'm going to stop this thing. I'm going to say, and, and he was, you could hear him, you know, like he, he's like, all right, give, give me a few seconds in the, in the <laughs> video afterwards. He's like, Brandon literally gave me one second. Like, <laughs> I mean, I had to, you know, things we, happen we, fast, uh, man. Uh, oh my goodness. And, and like, this was, this was in that spot where, I mean, I really had one place to stop that deer. I mean, and it had to stop right where it did. And so, I mean, I didn't have any choice. I had to stop it when I did. The thing stopped. And I mean, the day before we had gotten out and I said, Joel, you know, I really want to get you to shoot. I mean, number one, these 450 Bushmasters are just fun to shoot. And you know uh -huh. what? You might end up having an opportunity with it. So I want you to get comfortable with it. So we did some practice the day before. So he felt confident with it. And he, I oh, mean, good. he just put a hammer of a shot on. I mean, just took out the top of the heart, both lungs. Wow. I mean, just just made a great shot. I mean, we didn't even hear the deer crash because we were so excited in the stand. We were just, you know, we were fist bumping. We were, I mean, we were just kind of letting out some, some yells there just cause you know, you just get so excited yeah. to see someone um, enjoy their first deer. And, and, you know, this guy is such a nice guy and has not really been one to want to, you know, he's not been one to want to go out there and just shoot something. You know, he's like, man, I just love to learn. I love being out there with the fellowship. And, uh, you know, it was really cool to see him, just, you know, finally all of that kind of come together over the course of two seasons. Last year he went with me and didn't get his, his uh, license until uh, the, before this season. So last year he was just kind of tagging along with me. We shot a couple of deer. He watched me shoot a couple of deer. We tracked some blood trails. He got to see some good bucks go down and whatnot. And uh, so just for all of that to come together and then to track a blood trail and find it was just really cool. Um, so we were able to enjoy that. And then uh, I, the following weekend, my brother was able to shoot a nice nine point and it, that was kind oh, of a unique nice. story. I won't, you know, go into too much, you know, too, too much of the detail with it, but ultimately, you know, we were just, we actually had kind of a rough gun season in the sense of overall sightings. We were able to take several deer, but overall sightings, daytime sightings were, was really low. And uh, so he decided one morning, he said, you know what? 
I'm just going to go on the ground in a different spot. I'm going to just back off of a main corridor about 75 yards, right on a thick edge on the ground. And he had deer all over him that morning. No one else really saw anything. He had deer all over him that morning. And uh, he actually he actually took his safety off at one point to shoot. And the deer heard the safety go off, uh, you know, and, and just kind of jumped, ran away, you know, grunted it back in and was able to put, you know, shot on it 25 yards and get it. So really cool. Man. And then uh, one final thing I'll share, you know, another one of the guys that I've been taking out this year and, and helping kind of of enjoy getting into it is is my pastor and his sons and so we were able to get his son uh a five point on youth day uh the week oh, before that gun season is so cool it was so neat and uh you know it, one of the, one of the most exciting things that that i heard during the season was my pastor you know, told me he said you know my son uh, say he, my son told me he said hey dad you know my you know what my favorite part of hunting was and I thought he was going to say, you know, uh, you know, out there tracking a the blood trail, man, I got to shoot a buck. I got, you know, I thought he was going to say something like that. He said, you know, my favorite part was getting together with the guys afterwards. We have a little spot where we go to grab breakfast and, you know, kind of just talk about deer hunting and everything. Uh-huh. And he said, my favorite part was getting together and listening to the guys talk about deer hunting. Oh, and uh, man, I thought powerful. that was just, that is I mean, powerful. isn't it? You know, I mean, it just the fellowship and the camaraderie and all that we've talked about many times. And I the mean, future, right? You know, the future of oh, hunting future. Is, is, yeah. is, is in is in him, you know? He oh is the goodness, future. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, to me, to see and to hear people being excited about it, I mean, it makes me even more. I mean, I get pretty amped up, but when I hear other people getting excited, it gets me even more amped up. And uh, <laughs> you know, to to see people enjoying the fellowship, and that's really what it's about. Um, you know, you know, it's kind of a whole. This could be another side conversation, but I think all of us guys would say, you know, it's hard to have good close guy friends. You know, between the yeah. busyness mm-hmm. of work and life and all of that, you know, it's really hard to prioritize spending time with other guys and enjoying that. And, uh, hunting in the outdoors can be a really good outlet to do that. And so yes. just, I mean, just been a great season. And, and now, you know, we're kind of, I've been kind of trying to prioritize, you know, from kind of Thanksgiving until, uh, kind of Christmas to kind of just take some time off and be with family. I did enjoy a nice small game hunt, um, on Thanksgiving, took my son out, had the time of his life. You know, we, we shot a squirrel. We even shot shot a groundhog, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a great ad. Uh, <laughs> it's like oh, it dessert. Oh. oh, my goodness, it was. It was right at the end, too. I mean, it was so cool. You know, we went <laughs> we went to our spot afterwards. You know, we got breakfast. I mean, he just had such a good time and is still talking about it. And so, you know, it just – it just, and I've said this many times, but, you know, I think back to when I was growing up, and I think back to how awesome it was um, with my dad helping me create those memories. And, and it was hunting. It was fishing. It was camping. It was, you know, all of that type of stuff. And uh, – and now to be to come full circle and to see those memories and be able to help create those memories in my child, the the only thing that was better that's better than having those memories as a kid is helping create those memories for your child. And so it's cool to be able to just be a part of that. And you know, sometimes as a dad, you know, you just kind of look at that and you're like, 
it almost just brings tears to your eyes to just realize, man, you know, he's he is having some adventures right now that he's going to remember. And he's he's going to be talking about this with his kids one day and and talking about, man, yeah, we you know, we shot a groundhog, you know, man, we shot. We got a score. We've always gone hunting <laughs> on Thanksgiving. We, we went to the diner. We, you know, I mean, these things that he's going to be reflecting on. And so it's pretty cool to just, you know, you, you we're all trying not to let life slip us by. You know, Kent's about to have another child and that's a blessing. And we're trying to balance and juggle everything we have going on in life and trying to enjoy what the good Lord gives us. So it's been, it's been a pretty awesome and rewarding time for sure. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. I went off on so no, long a tangent there. It I, tells the whole story. <laughs> it tells the whole story. That's, Get it out. Get it that's out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it is a therapy session, right? See, <laughs> that's right. Well, man, that's hard to, that's hard to top. We should have had Brandon go last. I mean, he's got all, he's got all this like, uh, you know, riding off into the sunset kind of uh, part here where it's like, so now I've raised up two new, you know, generational mm-hmm. hunters that <laughs> they're the future of hunting. Yeah. Right. That's yep, right. That's right. Know? That's right. It's awesome. Oh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spill the beans here for Alex a little bit. Alex did a similar thing, uh, this last weekend and, um, he, uh, he, uh, got, I think it's your neighbor, right, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. My next door neighbor. That's, that is so cool. He got his neighbor out and, uh, has he done hunting in the past, Alex, or is this like his, uh, so this was his, this was his first experience, huh? He, well, I mean, he has nobody in his family ever has hunted. First gen hunter. I love it. You're, you're talking straight, straight suburbanite, you know, Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you know, just happens to have a, crazy guy moving next door to him and, <laughs> and he's a, attracted to the manliness that came with that and and here we are you know no. yeah so and, yeah, I, and, I mean and that, it, it was, that crazy neighbor kept asking him how much freezer space he had it's true <laughs> it's true no he, he you know he, you could tell like he's he was somebody that's genuinely interested in just doing something different mm-hmm. and uh you know, a couple of campfire stories and, you know, a couple chats in the garage when I'm, you know, he sees me cleaning something or I'm mm-hmm. making jerky or who knows what, you know, cleaning, yeah. cleaning my rifles. And that just perked him, you know, into asking yeah. more questions about hunting and, and, you know, kind of before you know it, last year I took him out just to do like a squirrel hunt. And it was really like a hike for six or seven miles. And then we were, <laughs> you know, having a good time and, and ended up bagging, you know, I think we, I don't know, six or seven squirrels in, oh, in the nice. day was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he had a ball and I kind of figured if he had fun, he'd probably seek some more. So then at the beginning of this year, he's like, you know, I I'm committing, like, I want to get my first deer this year. And I was like, all right, I'm like, cool. You know, what's your, yeah. what's your plan? He's like, well, I figure you could help me out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, yeah, you know, I, that, I think, I think I could do that. And, you know, I, I, I kind of planned it ahead, but, but I just, I figured I would take them out and then it just worked out. I got a, I got like a summer home that's a couple hours away and, and farmland central. So we went out there and I mean, we, we had access to, you know, private farms and sure. 
the, the location worked out and yeah so I, so I took them out we get two tags a piece here on our combo tag and you could take pretty much pretty much anything in in any scenario it could be a mm-hmm. small deer a doe a, a, you know a large buck whatever the case is sure and we were doing we did we did shotgun season here so that's awesome. so yeah we we ended up getting four deer in three days Man. man, I mean he awesome. he had a he had a blast. I mean it was super educational because he was able to work through his mistakes. You know, making noise going into like a ground blind. He uh, <laughs> he he, yeah. he 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 sank in a mud hole. He <laughs> you know he oh the, the you know the best one was so uh, we're we're telling him exactly what's going to happen when he gets into his blind and that he, he basically had a blind right next to the road and these deer cross the road at a certain time of, in the morning. So he gets in there and he's not really prepared, even though he's told all this and then he doesn't have his stuff ready per se. And he's got deer <laughs> hopping over in this lane in front of him and he's trying to get his gun out to shoot. He, he of course misses his shot cause he's rushing it. And then yeah. another deer comes by that he's not ready for that one. And, <laughs> and I mean, that's just how the story goes. And they, you know, and then he, he goes from like sheer disappointment to, you know, Hey, like, don't worry about it. Like you got to learn these things yeah. because I mean, people could tell you or prep you, but until you physically do it, you just, it doesn't stick. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just part of it. You know, it's just that learning curve. And and that's really, that's why first gen hunter exists because I've done all those things, you know, one of these days, and I think I've talked about it a little bit before, but I'll tell the, I'll tell the full story the first time I ever went deer hunting, you know, sometime and, and, uh, just man, the, the, you and, and the thing is, like anytime you're a first gen hunter, I think you, kn- you, you you're not dumb. You know you you've you're you're super successful. You know, in in a ton of other areas of your life, you're you successfully navigate those things, whether it be at work or maybe other hobbies or whatever that you've been doing your whole life. So you understand what it feels like to know how to do something. And yeah. then you get into hunting, which requires so many levels of, of knowledge and, and, you know, that builds off of other knowledge. And, and you just know that, like, I am not good at this. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and, and so many people are very good at this. And so, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of a challenging feeling. But, you know, good for, good for all the first-gen hunters here in this story. I love it. I love, uh, I love hearing those stories. And, you know, I think it'd be awesome if we could get at least some of these guys on the show sometime and get them to maybe join a hunt therapy episode or maybe oh, just yeah. do, a, do a full-on episode where uh, mm-hmm. we get them to kind of tell their side of the story. I think that'd be a, a lot of fun. But, no, I'm, I'm super proud of you guys for going out of your way that's a sacrifice you know you give up good hunting when you choose to mentor somebody there's no question about that and so if you're listening to this and you do have a hunting mentor in your life be that much more thankful for them because uh they could be they could probably be uh uh, chasing some bigger uh animals or uh you know more you know hitting a higher quantity of of uh 
ducks or pheasants or whatever if they you know if they if they weren't taking the time to to help and so not that's nothing to feel guilty about but something to feel thankful for you know it's it's good to know that people are out there that that are willing to to do that so that's great well uh one other story we need to hear about alex before uh I, I close this out here with the story of my uh, my my buck is the antelope. That oh, is yeah. something I am just so jealous of. As jealous as I, of <laughs> your Arizona elk that I am, <laughs> I am even more jealous of your antelope simply because I feel like I haven't been hunting long enough yet to earn even the the ability to be jealous of hunting <laughs> a trophy class Arizona bull. But I do feel that I've been hunting long enough to where if I really had my act together, I'd be out West chasing antelope and uh, I'm not there yet. And you are, and you tagged one and uh, it's not really fair, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. You, you, there's not, there's not a person out there who deserves it more than you, but uh, could you uh, give us a rundown on how that hunt went? Yeah, that, uh, I didn't expect that. So <laughs> I, I kind of, kind of forgot about it with so, the recent, the recent fun I had, uh, Wyoming was, Wyoming was interesting. So it was the like second coldest day, like historically in the last hundred, hundred years on the day that I, I like Whoa. flew into Idaho and then they got wow. pounded with snow. And then we drove the following morning from Idaho to Wyoming. So they had like closed a couple highways down. It was, it was pretty interesting. So, so kind of going into the hunt was, it was difficult to understand what was going to change based on the hunt plan that we had. Mm -hmm. And then as we were driving in, it was getting warmer. So then the reality was like, okay, a lot of the snow is going to melt, but now it's going to be like super muddy. So that that actually impacted us a lot from camp because our plan was to drive to a certain spot and then glass from it. And instead, it was so muddy that we we had to hike like a mile and a half just to get to this this hilltop, basically, where we could glass in all these foothills. So, I mean, there was there was three of us. One of my one of my hunt clients uh, came with me and then I, I had one of my real close uh, hunting friends. Mm-hmm. So we tagged, we tagged three antelope in less than like 36 hours, which was, oh, wow. which was pretty good. So awesome. the, the story goes, we, so we, we get to the, we get to the hill or mound or whatever we want to call it. Or I call it the glassing point. So you get to this glassing point and you basically are glassing for four to five miles all the way around wow. you. Wow. Wow. And you Is that with a scope or with a uh with binos? Spotting scope or binos? Both. I had both. I had uh okay. I, I had my my uh Suaros, those are a ten by forty two. Those are those are the main thing that I used. Because okay. I can see for miles with them, but then mm-hmm. you know, if I found something from far away and I wanted a close mm. up, then I put my spotter on it. Yeah, sure. right. But yeah, we we scouted the night before, and then in the morning, <clears throat> uh, Jason, my buddy, shot 
a block of, I mean, probably half an hour from first, uh, first light. Mm. And then, awesome. then my client, Jimmy and I went off, we, we found some goats like three miles away. So then we were, I don't know, it took us a good like hour to get into, get into the location. And then we had some guys with ATVs come through and, <laughs> and kind of, kind of booger it out a little oh. bit. So then I had to find them again <laughs> mm. and end up finding them on another side of a ridge. And I was, I, I mean, I'm like crawling to get to this big rock to try to try to kind of see around the rock. Mm-hmm. And I like turn a little bit and I look and I could see there's, I don't know, probably 20 antelope at the edge of this private property boundary basically. And I'm like, Oh man, if we spook them, they're going to run. Yeah. You know, jump over this deal. Right. So then I'm looking, I'm looking at Jimmy and I'm like, Hey dude, like you got to like crawl over here. So he crawls over and then he, I'm like literally lining him up with the same rock. It's a pretty big boulder. He goes to the right. I go to the left. And now I'm like, all right, I'm like, you know, here's your yardage kind of a deal. And he, I don't know. It was like a 200 yard shot. Uh-huh. He ends up, he ends up shooting. And, and I'm like, oh man, like I don't see anything drop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he clearly missed. And I'm like, oh, here we go. The antelope are going to jump. Well, we were still blocked. Like they couldn't see us. So they had no clue what just happened. So they ended up running towards us. <laughs> oh, wow. That so, was awesome. So then I peeked back over. I realized they're at like 100 yards. So I, I'm like, I go look at Jimmy. I'm like, hey, you're at like 110 now. So, yeah. so I think before I said 110, the antelope was down already. I mean, he just. <laughs> Yeah, he, he had no patience to even. He was just like boom, you know? so, and, and I look over and that antelope dropped. So that was Jimmy's like first big game animal as well. Oh, very cool. And and he was ecstatic. And nice. then the honor of that was uh, we had these really awful frame packs with us because my buddy told us that we weren't going to be needing. Our, our backpack frame packs because he was just going to bring these frame packs. Well, they, they were absolutely horrendous. Oh, no. So on, on top of us having to pack the game out, you know, you, you got to pack your own meat out. Like that's, that's like right. your, your virtue. Right. So, so Jimmy's got like 60 some pounds on him and this thing is just brutal. So oh, no. it was a pretty bad pack out walking, you know, three and a half miles back. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, but he made it. In. Oh man. Uh, talking about sweating. Oh man. And, <laughs> and then the, the next morning, I wasn't too worried about it. The next morning, you know, we got up back to the glassing point and I kind of funny. I'm like sitting, staring like straight off into the distance from us. And my buddy's on the left and then Jimmy's on the right and everybody's, you know, looking, looking through, trying to find, you know, where the next goats group is. And we find a group and they're like three and a half miles away. And I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I really want to get an antelope, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to find something a little bit closer, right? Like I'll, I'll, I'll go three and a half miles if I have to, but at first right. light, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to wait. Right. So, so then I, I asked Jimmy, I was like, Hey dude, did you, you know, did you scout out this whole site? He's like, yeah, I, just, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen anything. There's nothing. And I'm, I'm like, all right, let's, let's switch. Right. So, so I get in there and I don't know, five minutes into it here I see a goat that's like walking down this ridge in between 
two of like the the foothills, and he's like nine hundred yards away from us. Oh, so nice. we made it. Yeah, so it was it, it worked out perfect. So so he he ended up being like at nine hundred and some odd yards. So my buddy and I booked it down there. And then we got to like one hill, and then they were like, I don't know. They had moved too, so he was at like eight and some change. And then we closed the distance again. We were at like six eighty. Then we closed the distance again. I, I was like, all right, I just want to crawl up to this next little peak. And I, I ended up shooting from five fifty and and dropped the goat. That's and then awesome. you know got to him. Great goat. I was super nice. happy. Yeah, man. You know and. I have now shot two antelope at 550 yards. One of them was wow. 551, and one of them was 550. Wow. I don't know That's what are amazing. the odds or or what what 550 likes with me, but <laughs> that is amazing. It must just be kind of that so, like little magic comfort zone window there. That's that's a that's a long shot, but man, that's awesome. That is. That's a, yeah. yeah, it's a long shot. It's, yeah. a, it's a, it's uh, a, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a dream of mine for sure to get out there and, and chase them. As I said earlier in the show, I've actually bought points to do just that. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, uh, here soon, that'll be, uh, that'll be on my hunting calendar, but well, you guys have, uh, had a tremendous hunting season so far and, um, you know, looking at how you define that is, uh, it can be defined in multiple ways in those stories. So uh, I think that's also what makes hunting special. You know, so many other things like, uh, you know, you're really into to following sports or something. Mm. When, you're, when your team loses the Super Bowl, you don't just at the end of the Super Bowl go, oh, well, it was an awesome season. You know, like maybe one out of 50 people say that, right? Yeah. Uh, the, everyone else is like, oh, it's going to be, you know, another 20 years before this happens again, you know, or whatever. But yeah. with hunting, you're so in tune with all of it that um, there's there, – and, and just like that that kid that you took hunting and got that five point, you know, my, mm-hmm. you, there's so many things that can be your favorite part that and, and yeah. mm-hmm. that moment of notching the tag, you know, is super special. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that's not, that's not when that happens, that that's not like the most exciting part. Cause for most people it is and for good reason. Right. But yeah, it's, it's only, it's only one facet of it though, you know, and, and taking other people hunting, you know, having those memories of sitting up there on that, that glassing point and uh, looking for hours till your eyes bleed, until you, you see something that you can, uh, <laughs> you can get after, you know, that's all just part yeah. of what makes the horrible, the horrible frame packs, you know, everything about it, just all, it all just factors in. And, and I think it's just, you know, it illustrates why hunting is, is such a unique activity, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story for me is uh, yeah. I, 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 I I'm start? excited. I'm excited to. I'm excited for the for the for the listeners to hear this. Kind. I, I know. I'm 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 getting excited. Just ready to listen to this again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think Brandon has heard the whole story. Um, Alex, I don't know that I've heard yeah, the Alex whole thing. Heard the, I've heard. I've heard at least part of it. Yeah, that's true. I know I gave. I spilled the the beans on a few details in our last episode, mm-hmm. episode seventy three. Which, uh, by the way. Before I get into this, episode 73, you will now find on Spotify, along with the other 72 episodes, nice. 
uh, we are we are now running the podcast on Spotify as well. So if you're a Spotify loyalist, feel free to hit follow on there and uh, start listening there. But um, yeah, you can hear the 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 little bits and pieces of the story there on episode seventy three. Nice. But the whole thing, and I kind of alluded to this when Brandon and I talked in our last episode on stand placement. Um. You know, it, it it's a story that kind of, I feel in a way, goes back to last year. And I, I'm not going to rehash all that. Um, but so much of last year just was wrapped up in pressure because I was starting this venture of uh, First Gen Hunter, you know. And I wanted to be not just helpful and like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. But I wanted people to see that what I was learning from these incredible guests on the show and what, what I was learning from my own experiences, right. And from mm-hmm. talking with Brandon and from, and from talking with Alex and whoever else yeah. that I, it was working, you know, like there's proof that, that it was working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just put so much pressure on myself last year that I really wasn't hunting in a way that was, we'll use the term again. I think we already used it once in this episode, but I wasn't a good predator, right? I wasn't, my, my mind was kind of preoccupied with uh, some of this other, these other anxieties that kind of, you know, kept me from that. Yeah. And um, there's, there's so many stories that could go into that, you know, and again, I, I kind of hashed those out in the last episode, but one that I kind of forgot about, which was kind of a, a low point, but also a good point for me. I, I don't even know if Brandon and Alex know the story. I told this story to Noel Gandy uh, just recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I had uh, actually ended up wounding another small buck last year with um, my bow. And that, so if you're keeping track, that's two deer last year. And it was the end of the rut. The rut was, I mean, it was late. It was after Thanksgiving. I'd gone out and done, like, basically gotten through, you know, a a regular Thanksgiving year and had all this pressure on myself. All right, you know, retrospect, I probably should have just stayed back and enjoyed the the season with my family. But, again, all that pressure on myself. I need to get out there. Mm -hmm. I need to go hunt. Mm -hmm. I need to make this happen. Yeah. And uh, I go through that. I think the buck, that buck, um, I'm almost positive survived. It was such a superficial uh, hit. I just had some like white, some white fur from a, you know, kind of an underbelly hit. And mm. there was some, there was some decent blood at first, but then it just totally shut off. And I mean, I yeah. was crawling in the pitch black, coyotes howling all around me. And, uh, uh, you know, just trying and trying and trying to, and I'm all by myself, you know, this is in a pretty remote area where I was and, uh, just nothing. Next day I go out, hunt the morning, but kind of call it quits pretty quick. Cause I want to go see if I can find a thing. And again, just a dead end blood trail, even in daylight, there's it just shut off. He, he clotted up, you know, and, and, uh, I think he survived it's just kind of a little paunch Nick or something with that, that yeah. arrow. So, you know, I'm in a horrible mood at that point, you know, just kind of probably talking to myself a little bit and, and, uh, just down on myself. Like, 
you think you're getting better at this, you're not, you know, that kind of negative self-talk yeah. or whatever. You're yeah. just self-loathing, right? I love that. Yeah. I love that term, by the way, self-loathing. It just sums it up so well. So I'm self-loathing and I'm, I'm like, well, you know what? I got a trail camera. I need to go check that trail camera. And I'm riding a four-wheeler while I'm doing this. And so I, I cruise across the farm get up to this tree where I got a trail camera. I'm like, you know, maybe this will give me some good late season intel on this camera. And as I get there, I go to stand up on the four-wheeler to like swing my leg over to, to, um, you know, get off the four-wheeler. And as I do that, I, you know, I'm just in such like this, like, withdrawn mood you know what i mean like i'm not Mm -hmm. even like really thinking about what i'm doing i'm not being careful at all and i tripped when i would go to get off that four-wheeler and Mm. usually when i trip you know the and i I actually attribute it to all the footwork drills i did for so many years of playing basketball and football and football you know as a mm-hmm. lineman so you're constantly doing footwork drills as a lineman yeah. right i can almost always catch myself well yeah. i had like mud caked on the bottom of my other boot that was like i was still standing on like the little platform on the side of the like where your feet go on the four-wheeler mm-hmm. and i slipped and i had my bow in my hand oh. which has a quiver full of fixed blade broadheads mm-hmm. right I smack the bottom of all, like where the knocks are on all my arrows on the seat of the four-wheeler as I fall down. So Mm. now I got four loose broadheads and uh, I, I land on one of the arrows and it was poking me. I'm not kidding you right in the chest. Like, I mean, and I mean, I, you know, I'm not a, Like I said, I played lineman, right? I'm not a little guy, you know, and I nearly landed with all of my body weight on that broadhead going straight through my chest, man. It was like, it was like, you know, like one of those things where it's like kind of just like laying on you. But thankfully when I fell, I landed on my shoulder instead Mm. of my chest. Yeah. And I would have skewered myself right there in the absolute middle of nowhere. Oh. No hope of anyone helping me. All yeah. because I was in this horrible mood of of uh you know my season not going how I wanted it to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. And it was like at that moment I realized because it, it all just happens like so fast. You know what I mean? You're just like next thing you know, yeah. you're on the ground, you're laying on a stinking arrow sticking you in the chest. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I was like, holy smokes, what is my problem? You need to snap out of it, dude. You need to get your head in the game. You're doing this all for the wrong reasons. Here right. you are away from your family, all by yourself, making a careless mistake because you're pouting. You know, you took a shot that you probably really shouldn't have shot. It was a kind of a reach shot that I took. And and uh, you're just trying to desperately make something happen for, you know, to make you look better than what you are. And that's not 
that's not why you hunt. That's not why you did first gen hunter. That's, that's not, that's not the purpose behind any of this, right? It's out of balance. It's, it's, it's 100% wrong. And like from that moment on, it was like a weight was lifted off of me and Mm, it was just like the rest of hunting season, man, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to get out with my dogs, do a little bird hunting. Yeah. If I can get out and deer hunt again, so be it. But I'm just from here on out, it's, it's, you know, I'm getting back to why I really got into hunting, you know, and sure enough, boom, hit that, you know, shoot that nice big bodied buck that I just did a Mm. Instagram post on. Yeah. Uh, Good old fender bender, half rack, you know, shot him. He was a giant bodied buck, uh, with, uh, Caitlin best day I've ever had in the woods was, was that day. And, and, uh, you know, so then that takes me to this year, this year has been so crazy. We moved in a new, a new old house, right. That we've been, uh, rewiring and fixing Mm -hmm. up and, and renovating and everything and new jobs and, and got a baby coming tomorrow, you know, life is in transition. And, um, yeah, that's that's why there's been so many delays on the podcast. You know, there's there's been too much craziness. I haven't, I don't, yeah. I don't even hardly have any trail cameras out this year. You know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just haven't had the time. And yeah. I've I've gotten out and hunted and thoroughly enjoyed myself each and every time. Um, even in the frustrations that I was telling Alex about, uh, yeah. which really just ended up being a uh, a preparation for our Montana bear hunt last night when I yeah, got out and tried right. to do a hanging hunt with where I was way too optimistic with my time. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, every single time I've just thoroughly enjoyed being out. And that includes the day that I filled my buck tag. Yeah. Um, Jake and I recorded that day with Noel. It was a live podcast down at a really cool deer hunting themed restaurant. We uh, had just a great time there with Noel and his son, Charlie, hearing swapping good deer stories, recording the podcast and everything. And, and to learn about doofus, hearing it yes. from the man himself, right? Uh, Charlie, yes. who, who tagged doofus. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, just so much about that was so, such a, such a good day already. And, uh, Jake and I were hunting together. You know, I, I, I used to live by Jake, but now since our move, we live about two hours apart. So it's just good to get back together with him. And, um, we, uh, uh, I remember before the hunt, we're all dudded up and everything. He's going out with his trad equipment. I'm going out with my muzzle loader. I'm like, Hey, we should get Mm -hmm. a picture together, you know? And so we take this kind of cheesy selfie kind of picture together, you know, but it basically was just kind of this, like, I don't know. It was almost like an emotional response to just like how happy I felt about everything. It's like, this needs to be memorialized somehow. Yeah. This is good. This is, this is vintage Kent and Jake going out in the barnyard with a couple of BB guns, you know, like in the old days. And, uh, and so it's just, everything's good, you know, hike in, get up in the stand where I shot that nice buck last year with Caitlin and I'm sitting there and, you know, not long, maybe 45 minutes. Here comes a doe with a fawn. And I'm like, I just bought an antlerless tag an hour before this, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like I need to come home with something at some point. I've been passing on yeah. a ton of deer at this point yeah. already this year, yeah. small bucks and does. And I'm like, you know, I need to come home with something at this point. It's a busy year, a lot of craziness. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just have a sauce. I don't know about you guys, but I have a soft spot when I see a, a, uh, 
dough with a fawn. You know, even oh, if it's yeah. a if it's yeah. a failure to launch a yearling mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like uh, as a parent now, it just like so. But so I let him pass the first time. Then I'm like, why did you do that? You got an antlerless tag. You just need to make it happen. You know, just just next time she comes by, just go ahead and fill that antlerless tag. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Yeah. Well, of course, only the fawn comes by. And I'm yeah. like, well, I can't shoot a fawn, man. Not, nothing against anybody who does that. Not at all. I'm not saying that at all. But yeah, I just yeah. I was already having struggles with shooting this big old mature doe. You know, I wasn't about yeah. I wasn't about to then, you know, I wasn't about to to shoot the the fawn, you know, and like go totally heartless in my situation here. Not that anyone is heartless yeah. if they shoot a fawn. I just it was it yeah. was like just a, a just a I don't know a hang up that I have. But um so I'm like, all right, come on, get that get that bigger doe out here again. And while I'm waiting, I look over. And all of a sudden, I, I think he just stood up. He may have kind of wandered in from the corn, the standing corn next to where I was hunting. Yeah. But I was hunting kind of on the edge of this timber, and up stands this big buck. I mean, just just exactly what I was looking for. You know, I'd already passed all those bu- those other bucks this year um, because I – it, it it's just like didn't click in my brain like yeah that's one you're gonna shoot at right well when he stood up and i saw all those white tines and there were mm-hmm. a lot of them right <laughs> and, yeah and uh uh at least to me there's plenty of guys out there who shot way bigger bucks than i have but he stands up and i'm like whoa i didn't even have to think about it. it's like yes yeah. that's the one that's what i want that's what i'm looking mm-hmm. for all right that's yep. what i've been holding off on passing deer for all season so far been waiting for this guy and so he uh stands up i'm looking at him well then his head goes behind the tree and uh i'm like oh well i guess i'm gonna have to wait for him to walk into a clear shot here i, I don't really get a shot and i'm like looking at him and like wait a minute the only thing i can see on this deer right now are his vitals. <laughs> like that was the <laughs> yeah. only, like there's like a basketball sized window that was, I could see his front leg and then I could see his vitals. Yeah. And so, man, I've posted this video before. I use it in a class that I teach at school on how to hunt. And, uh, I, I, uh, it's just such a great video done by national deer association with Kip Adams, such a smart guy that shows you exactly where to aim on a buck. So I'm just tracing right up that front leg, get my crosshairs right on the sweet spot. And, uh, mm-hmm. I let her bark and, uh, nice. squeezed off the shot. And I mean, it was it, going back to this idea of pressure. There was no pressure. No, I didn't even have buck fever. And, uh, yeah. I, I think it was, uh, I think it was you, Brandon, who said, or it was either you or Alex, said sometimes it's better when it just happens fast, you know, when you can't even, you can't even like think about it to yes. get the buck fever. Yes. I think it was you that said that. And, and that's kind of how it was. It was just so fast, stands up. I find the vitals after I realize that's all I can see on him, get the scope right on him. And, uh, um, I just, uh, I let it rip and, yeah. And then, like, he kind of acts weird after the shot. Like, he hops up on all fours, like, straight up, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't mule kick, just a, just a straight-up hop. And I'm like, oh, man, did I just spine him or something? You know, like, graze his yeah. back or, or yeah. you know, get a paunch shot on him. Or I was like, are mm-hmm. you kidding? Not again. Not another wounded deer. You yeah. know, it's like, 
uh, I'm starting that self doubt again. Right. But I'm like, but then I'm just like going back through my, all right, slow down your thoughts here. You know, I watched where he ran off and and everything. And I'm like, okay, start looking at those trees. If you ended up, if you missed that buck, you had to hit one of those trees because you only have that small window. Do you see Mm -hmm. any sign of like a tree, you know, being ripped up by a shot? And it's like, no, I don't see anything like that. You know, it's only a 50 yard shot and I got my binos going and everything. It's like, the only option there is you had to hit him, you know? And so I'm like, all right, but I still give it time. Gave it about 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. Maybe not even that. I think I only gave it a half hour because I thought to myself, well, if this is, this is an afternoon hunt, if it's going to end up being a a long tracking situation, I want to have plenty of daylight to get out there and do that. And so, and so, uh, I think I only waited a half hour, 35 minutes. Plus you're excited too, right? So you justify it. Oh yeah, it. sure. <laughs> but uh, I uh, I climbed down out of the stand, head over to where that, you know, I just memorized in my head, where mm-hmm. was that window that he had to be in and uh, walked over there and uh, didn't find blood right away, but I found some hair. I'm like, all right, good. Mm-hmm. Hit him. Mm-hmm. So then I start looking for blood and it's just not much. I mean, just mm-hmm. a little bit of blood, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's just, there's just, a, uh, there's just, just a tiny amount of, of, of blood left there. And, um, uh, it's like, okay, here we go. You know, this, yeah. th- this is again, not looking ideal here. And, um, I start tracking, you know, a little bit more blood. And I've done so much blood tracking now at this point, oh, yeah. <laughs> even as a first-gen hunter, you know, just from, from yeah. some of these bad hits and stuff. I've actually gotten to be pretty, uh, pretty decent blood tracker. So, you know, I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm going to skip ahead here in the trail and start looking at, you know, sides of trees, start looking at, at, you know, weeds sticking up and stuff. I, I'm not just going to keep following these little drops. I want to see, see evidence of some bigger blood here, you know, keeping, not being stupid either and losing the trail, but, but, you know, trying to like speed things up a little bit and see what's going on. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, so I'm like starting to get real disappointed. And then I kind of like walk into this clearing and look up there's a white belly <laughs> mm. and there he is oh. all piled up he went maybe 50 yards from where uh impact was and yeah. uh probably not even probably more like 40 yards and and uh there he was uh oh man what you know, awesome des doornail and yeah. uh man the just the rush of good emotion there pulled out the cell phone right away and, and captured a video of myself. I don't know that I'll ever share with anybody. Just wanted to like, mm, you know, yeah. get that feel recorded. Yes. Right. Of, yes. of shooting my best buck and, um, walk up and man, is he just beautiful, you know, nice, real widespread on him. Um, his antlers, so, so my dad told me I need to start naming bucks. So that'll make you happy, Brandon. I've just never been a, <laughs> yes. never been a guy that, but he's like, no, that'll be better for your listeners. Cause then they'll know what deer you're talking about. So like, all right, dad, you do make a good point there. So like always, <laughs> so, so, uh, I, I'm going to name him curly 
And uh, I just noticed right away that the way his tines are, you take that top-down view of his antlers, which that's kind of a new thing this year, I noticed. Like on uh, social media, people taking the the photos of the the buck rack from the, you know, like aerial view of the rack or something, you know? Yes. I love it. I think it's great. I think, I hope that that trend sticks around because it really gives you an idea of the character of that buck more so than just that grip and grin, you know, from, from, uh, you know, just facing straight at the deer or something, but, but to really get to appreciate the rack, you know, is that, that get that view and man, he's just so curly and, 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 uh, very symmetrical 10. Although I think I'm going to get two extra little, uh, stickers to maybe count towards the score they might be right mm-hmm. at about an inch right coming off of his uh kind of where the burr is at the base of his antler there yeah so if those count he'll officially go down as a 12 nice but, but uh he's definitely i mean i i call him a 10 point just because uh 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 well, maybe not twelve. I think one might one of those stickers might be longer than the one on the other side, so maybe an eleven. Okay. But I, I would just call him a ten. And he is a he is a just a a very symmetrical ten. Will be very few deductions when I get him scored, which is really cool. And um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what he scores. I have never done a shoulder mount. I haven't shot a buck that I've just felt has has been uh, you know. I guess in my mind, what I would say worthy of getting a shoulder mount done on. Yeah. And, um, uh, this one, I just knew right away. Yep. Shoulder. Oh mount. yeah. You know, yeah I, no I question got, about I it. I got to get it shoulder mounted. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. And I dropped it off. That's the awesome. And, and, uh, um, you know, looking forward to whenever he's all done and uh, get yes. him back and, and uh, then I'll get him scored. And, and uh, hopefully, I think it's, uh, you probably know this better than me, Brandon, but I think it's like a 60-day drying time on the antlers before yeah. you can get an official uh, right. Boone and Crockett score on that. So, yeah. um, But the taxidermist, which, by the way, um of course, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, you know, get a buck over to our uh, buddy Matt Welsh out of Raccoon Valley Taxidermy, but he moved, moved out to Kansas, and uh, so I couldn't take it to him. But there's another really fantastic taxidermist here in Iowa, um, Old Barn Taxidermy, and uh, so I drove down there, and uh, um, that guy, I mean, they're scoring or they're, they're doing so many deer there. I don't know if they score, but they do a lot of deer. This guy, this guy knows this stuff. A lot of big time deer hunters. If I were to say their names, you guys would know them instantly. Yeah. Um, they take their deer there and that guy, uh, there thought that my buck would go as a 160 inch, uh, 10 point, or actually yeah. I think he said 11 point. He thought it'd be an 11 point, but, yeah. but, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, Man. that seemed high to me. But, you know, maybe I'm just a pessimist. <laughs> but if he does, if he does go that, that 160, I believe that's kind of the cutoff for uh, um, Boone and Crockett. So I may uh, see if I can uh, get him to qualify for, for uh, or not get him to, but see if he does qualify to go in as a Boone and Crockett buck. I think that would just be such a cool thing to have him memorialized in that way. But, yeah, that's the story of Curly. 
and it's uh you know Man, it's only so been cool. good good since then i've i've just enjoyed being out hunting some more uh, of course uh we don't have time for it now but brandon knows a little bit more backstory on some of my recent deer hunting uh 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 i don't know experiences <laughs> kind of an interesting yes, tale yeah. that's that's uh, unfolding there uh, that we'll have to wait for another episode to talk about but but uh Bag to pheasant, my first day out pheasant hunting. I had zero nice. expectations because usually, you know, me being a kind of a, a casual gun dog handler, usually that's a day of just getting the dogs back in shape for, you know, responding to your calls right away, you know, working the field the right way and everything. But they were, they got into it pretty quick this season and, uh, bagged a rooster right away. And, uh, you know, it's just been gravy. You know, it's just been yeah. so much better. Then when I was going through all that stuff with, with, uh, putting all that pressure on myself last year and, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's kind of a, it was kind of a hard story for me to tell, you know, that I, yeah. I you guys have listened to <laughs> how many episodes since then on this podcast. And I've never uttered a peep about that story until now. I guess it just didn't feel right till now, but I, I share that with you, um, to show you that it can, you know, it can the the old uh i don't know the old uh greed monster maybe is a good way to yeah. say it yeah. can kind of sneak yeah. up on us as as hunters and we can put that pressure on ourselves and we look at social media see what everyone else is doing and and yeah. put more pressure on ourselves and and it just don't let it get there right well yeah i mean i think it's a great it's a great point too because like you you mentioned like um, you know, this year you really haven't had trail cams out, you know, you've, you know, kind of a little bit up and down to start. And then for that to happen, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes we do overthink it sometimes, you know, with, uh, with all the abundance of technology and everything else, you know, it, that almost psychs us up too much, yeah. you know, so, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool how sometimes when we put, when we just kind of reset ourselves, and get back to basics and get back to just enjoying time out there. It's amazing how all of a sudden something works out, you know? And so, and and I mean, for you to, I mean, it's really cool too, for you to have had this experience with the age that you are, because unlike, you know, uh, if you're, if you're young, you're going to enjoy it, but you're not going to, you're not going to fully appreciate it. You, you fully in every possible way appreciated Mm. the moment and the experience. And I mean, that, that's something special that you were able to enjoy that truly enjoy and know that it was so special. That's a really, that, and that's a, you know, that's an encouragement for, you know, those first gen hunters out there that are adults that, you know, I mean, man, look, you're going to be able to fully realize and fully understand all of the enjoyment that, that you're receiving from it, which is a really cool thing. It's a lot different than, you know, there's there's benefits of, you know, of getting into it when you're younger, but but you don't always realize how precious and how awesome it is when you're older and you get into it. Man, it's like every moment that you have that's special like that, man, you're just going to treasure that forever. So pretty cool that you were able to live that and really enjoy it. Yeah, I I appreciate the way you put that. That's that's been my thought all along. You know, I I'd probably be I probably would be a lot better bow hunter now if I had grown up doing it. There's no doubt about it, right? Mm. But mm-hmm. but I wouldn't trade it for that because of that yeah. sweet that sweetness of the full appreciation of of what goes into it that you mentioned. But yeah, man, 
this is this is this was such a good <laughs> this is a good hunt therapy episode, man. Yeah, got, I say so. the laughs, oh my goodness. The laughs, the the near tears looking back at how things were and where they've come from and the you know, just the sigh of relief for uh, you know, what what a uh you know better way of enjoying it that that you know I was able to have this year. And so you know, yeah. it's it's uh it's been a good episode. It's kind of on the long end for a hunt therapy, but we lost yes. uh, Alex. He had to uh, drop off, take care of kids stuff. But uh, yeah, we, yeah. we're we're really thankful for him joining us tonight. Yeah, there's more stories that we could have shared tonight, but we had to try and keep it brief. Um, yeah, uh, I'll be up early in the morning going into uh, uh, start the process for uh, getting this uh, baby girl here out into the world. So, oh man, uh, awesome stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm stoked for that. Just uh, yeah gonna gonna thoroughly enjoy um you know the the process of getting to meet her and get to know her over the the next uh hopefully uh uh here a couple you know tomorrow but uh we'll we'll see how things go and and uh you know just a reminder there's just so many other things in this world that are so much bigger than hunting but hunting sure does add a nice sweet taste to it and um if you aren't hunting yet and you're still curious about it find that mentor, get out there with them, get it done. And, uh, yes. you'll, you'll never regret making that decision. And, uh, want to give a big thank you again to, uh, Alex for jumping on the show tonight. Uh, Jake for almost getting on the show. I still haven't heard from him. I don't know where he is, but, uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully he's okay. And, yes. uh, big thank you to you, my friend, Brandon, yes. for, uh, uh, coming on and giving up an evening and just always good talking with you. And thank you yeah. to all of you listeners for tuning in. Uh, please, uh, you could uh, thank us by passing this podcast on to a friend, tell them that it's on Spotify now, you know, yeah. make it, make it uh, something that's a, a little bit easier for them to access. Maybe um, yeah. you can uh, listen to Spotify on your computer at work very easily. It's a nice, they got a nice web-based player and everything. So, uh, you know, that's a nice advantage of Spotify that I've always appreciated, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, get, get it get the word out there to to those that you think uh maybe would enjoy it because they already are hunters or those thinking about hunting or those who are still brand new and still figuring it out tell them about the first gen hunter podcast and uh also tell them about the hunt fish life you can go over to the huntfishlife.com great website to visit there you will get linked up with their social media pages they're on instagram they're on facebook Great stories, great memes, great, uh, you know, like uh, little victory posts people put up there on occasion. Yes. F- funny little sightings yep. that people see in the woods or something. Yeah. Just a, just a feel-good corner of the social mm-hmm. media world, which we all need to retreat to, those feel-good corners of the social media world. <laughs> and, of course, yes. uh, check out Alex's uh, services that he offers. You heard just how much he knows about this stuff tonight. He told some of these stories about hunting with clients, talked about the super tag business, mm-hmm. and uh, – um, even, you know, just uh, shows you his heart when he takes uh, his neighbor out just to mentor him. That's you right. Know, he's a good yep. guy. So head over to alexgruen.com and get some of those services from him with East to West Hunts. Don't forget the promo code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout. will save you 10% off of that. And, uh, you know, it just uh, uh, gives you that 
little bit more motivation. You know, it could be a great Christmas gift you set somebody up with. Uh, get them that hunt planning service. But uh, yes. make sure you head over there and check that out. Don't forget about our other friends over at Black Ovis and Camo Fire. Just excellent hunting gear there. Man, they've had some really excellent stuff going on sales here for uh, the holiday time of year. Make sure you head over there and check them out. Use the links that I have posted in these here show notes or you can find on my Instagram account as well. And uh, let's see, what else am I missing? Oh, blast. Finally, head over to firstgenhunter.com. You can check out that Subtleties of Blaze Orange article. You can check out kind of my emotional roller coaster that I do- I documented with deer season last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find all sorts of other good stuff there. All the podcast episodes, even some old YouTube content. Someday I'll get back into the YouTube side of things, but the podcast is the main thing. And yep. uh, you know what? Beyond all of that, as good as that stuff is, as good as this podcast is for you and for us, Mm-hmm. More importantly than all of it, take care and take someone hunting.